Today's show is brought to you by Boomerang the Series. BET brings a young, gifted, and unapologetically black cast that is a lot like you. Original Dramedy premieres Tuesday, February 12th at 10, 9 central, only on BET. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem, Facebook Live. What's going on? Selena's Instagram, don't talk to me. Just kidding. <laughs> Harlem World, what's going on? If you're listening anywhere, from any time, at any place, and even on the podcast, I am happy to hear from you today. And who am I? Well, I'm Stanley Fritz, and I am on this show every week except for when I'm not here. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can follow me on the IG at Stan Fritz. You can follow me on the Facebook at Stanley Goodhair Fritz because of a college mistake I made <laughs> while trying to make fun of a friend for being obsessed with his hair and on snapchat i don't use that sorry guys well welcome to the show everyone happy sunday of course this is let your voice be heard where we talk politics social issues pop culture cardi b and we do that all from a diverse perspective of course my name is selena hill aka miss selena hill and that's an ms and i'm happy just to be alive because yeah. stress, yeah. Will, stress yeah. will do it to you Okay, I'm going to just leave that right there. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, good morning. Um, Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Uh, Happy Boycott Super Bowl Sunday for those people who are still boycotting the Super Bowl. Some people are just watching for the ads. Yeah, you know, that's a thing. Um, It is. Capitalism. It runs deep. (laughs) As deep as white supremacy. And they're related. Um, But, you know, maybe we'll get to talking about that kind of thing later. In any event, um, my name is Alyssa Fuchs, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs, or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, or on Instagram, Alyssa.Fuchs. Um, and, of course, you can also leave a comment on Politically Preposterous, which is facebook.com slash Politically Preposterous, which is the fan page. Um, but, you know, really definitely leave your comments on our Facebook live stream. Um, we love that, and we'll definitely get to some of those comments later. Um, I think we have a really good show today. We yeah. have so many news stories today, though. I can't even, I can't even keep up. There's so much going Wait. on. But before we get there, shout out to Jackie Cohn. Happy birthday, the big 30. Happy love 30th you. birthday, Jackie. Jane, oh, wow. Jackie turned off my mic and she's not even here. Jay Money Stacks, happy birthday, beloved. I remember when I first met Jackie and she was 22 years old. And now she's 47. <laughs> I am so happy for you, Jackie. You are old and you are ugly and you smell, but you're making it through life. Uh, hater, hater, you can't even be nice on her birthday, Stanley. Uh, Yeah, that's not nice, Stanley. You're not being nice. But then again, what else is new? Um, So Jackie's not here, but we have our trusty correspondent, Tiffany Brown, here. Hey. Good morning, Tiff. Good morning. Happy birthday, Jackie. Hey, hey. Were you at her birthday party last night? I wasn't. Sorry, girl. I was at the birthday party. Alyssa was there. It was really good, and um, Gary and um, I'm going to screw up her mom's name because it's kind of like mine, and then I just screw it up and say it like mine, but Alicia was there, and um, they were a lot of fun. We had a lot, a lot of fun with them, and now I'm going to get feedback that I still screwed up her name, but love you, Jackie's mom, even though I always kind of confuse your name with mine. That's why I stick with Miss and Mr. Cohen. Like, seriously. She loves me more than all of you. And she, That's loves, me, she loves me more than Jackie, too, so it's cool. You're their adopted black son. Yeah. Um, so we have a great show lined up today. We're going to be talking about everything from uh, the, the prison conditions. Um, we know that right here in Brooklyn, uh, prisoners, excuse me, people in prison had no heat or no water for a week. Stanley was there protesting on behalf of these incarcerated people, so we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to speak in depth about uh, Jesse um, Smollett, who we know was physically attacked 
a few days ago, um, you know, just homophobia and racism is running rampant in our country as it always has. And we're going to take a deep dive into what it really means to be a black gay man uh, in America. So we have a lot to talk about. We do, we do. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I don't want to spoil any of the other news stories, but we're going to be talking about, hopefully, some Cardi B. Because I just want to say really quickly, her commercial for Pepsi is so on point. Like... I was the first to blast Pepsi when they had that horrible Black Lives Matter commercial where Kendall Jenner tried to stop, like, racism and white supremacy with a Pepsi can. But I want to say I think Pepsi got it right this time. Um, they it's, So their new Pepsi commercial features, like, Little John and Cardi B. It's hilarious. Make sure you guys watch it. It's all over Twitter. You don't have to watch the Super Bowl to watch it. It's going to be on the internet as well. So just want to give that shout Everything's out. on the internet. Nothing yeah. ever dies on of the course. internet. Are you... Yeah. Are any of you guys going to be watching the Super Bowl today at all? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm still on the fence about this. Um, on some level, I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, but me not, too. Not really, like, for the football, because I don't really care about that, um, to be honest, because I'm a Jets fan, and the Jets are awful, and they're never going to the Super Bowl, like, ever, ever. Um, I kind of want to watch it, like, for, like, the drama of, like, what people are going to be talking about tomorrow. Right. Whether it's, like, the commercials or, like, something crazy happens, like Janet Jackson's titty comes out. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, wait, that only happens once. Can we say that on there? Yeah. Probably not. I no, find we out now. You can say the T word? I believe so. Tip, <laughs> are you watching it? Um, it will be on in my house. <laughs> but I won't be watching it, okay? But it would be on. Okay, no, that's the one. Like, I just want to see... I, I just want to watch it so that I can accurately blast Travis Travis Scott for participating. That's fair. Okay, that's the only reason why. Because Oh, that's the only reason? Okay. Oh, yeah. That's mm -hmm. it. So that's it right there. Yeah, I will not be watching the Super Bowl. I have not watched football in two years now. I didn't watch last year's Super Bowl. I'm not going to watch this year's Super Bowl. Because you're a real activist. No, I just don't care. Um, and it's not even about Colin Kaepernick anymore. What about Josh Brown, the kicker for the Giants, who beat up his wife and then his diary said he thought he was God and that he would kill his wife, and the Giants owner said, well, you know what, we stand by him. What about all the women abusers who are in the NFL now that the NFL doesn't give a damn about because they are productive? What about the CTE issue where so many retired players are either hooked on opioids or literally killing themselves because their brains are turning into mush? Exactly. Yeah, so. th th there's a lot. So, you know, I definitely respect all those who have been taking a knee, standing with cap, or just protesting the Super Bowl and the NFL in general. I will say that they have made some progress for the first time they're going to have two male cheerleaders performing um, cool. at the Super Bowl game. No, the cheerleaders <laughs> don't have That's... CTE. But it's honestly, so they were talking about how, you know, the NFL has really perpetuated toxic masculinity. So it seems like they're trying to make some progress. And it's so funny because we're going to talk in depth about toxic masculinity uh, and what that means here in America. So again, guys, don't go away. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Make sure if you guys want to chime in and, and call us up, you can do so at 212-650-6903. My people, Boomerang is coming Tuesday, February 12th. It's Lip of Black History Month. And you know what's going to be on BET. But for real though, how is it different from the film of the same name? Well, let's get into it. First off, it's a scripted half-hour dramedy. It's not a movie. Secondly, we're introduced to Graham Legacy. What Graham Legacy? Well, Simone Graham, the daughter of Marcus and Angela. She's a headstrong, gorgeous, uncompromising queen. Her colleague and guy bestie Bryson is the son of Jacqueline Boyer. Remember her? Shorty with the lingerie and trench coat? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Bryson has a vision for making his mark in the business, but he has his eye on Simone as well. Listen, man, shoot your shot, King. 
Ari is an emerging director who walks on the wild side. David is a pastor who has yet to get over Crystal, Simone's best girlfriend. Tia is a firecracker of the crew, ready to break big with the help of Simone's marketing genius. You'll see some of your friends and a lot of yourself on screen. Well, I don't know about me, but you will. Boomerang, executive produced by Lena Wraith and Halle Berry, premieres Tuesday, February 12th at 10, 9 central on BET. Check out BET.com for show exclusives. <laughs> Okay. Stanley, don't quit your day job. Yeah, I'm not sure where to go from there. But um, yeah, guys, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard again, where we talk politics, social issues, and pop culture from a very diverse perspective. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with my co-host, Stanley Fritz, Alyssa Fuchs, and our correspondent, Tiffany Brown. And also, shout out to Dejanae, who has been interning with us for the last five months. And now, today is our last day, so we're going to be very sad. I mean, I'm not applauding that. I'm, I'm no, no, I'm, I'm applauding that she's going on to bigger and yes, better. Yes, bigger and better. She is going on to bigger and better. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about. We actually have a caller on the line, and we're going to start the news roundup talking about, again, the situation that's going on in the federal prison in Brooklyn. We know that incarcerated people in this prison have not received electricity, light, or heat. And this was a time where we had, like, the polar vortex. So it's been extremely cold here in New York City, and this is inhumane. So, Stanley, I know you were there at this protest mm -hmm. yesterday. Why? Can you just talk really briefly what this protest was about and why do you think it made a difference? So first thing we have to talk about is the fact that, you know, there's heat insecurity in jails and prisons all across the state. And at the moment, the Metropolitan Detention Center has hit the, the forefront of what's happening because the people there have not had any kind of heat or light for the last eight days. They've also been blocked from viewing their loved ones or talking to them on the phone and been held in their cells 23 hours a day. And folks caught wind of that, an issue that um, Congresswoman Nia Velasquez has been like fighting has been like fighting with the the um censor with for years kind of like kind of got viral and folks went over to show support and it's blown up into this huge action where folks are actually occupying the space now and demanding that and saying they're going to stay there until light and heat is restored so you know we do have um a caller on the line right now cassidy my good, my, a good friend of mine cassidy who is a part of the justice league and who has been on the ground there for the last two days and she's going to give us an update about what's happening now cassidy go ahead Thank you. It's a little warmer today, which is a relief. Um, I got here yesterday around noon with family, and the first thing I noticed was banging on the windows from literally every window in the prison. It was really overwhelming and emotional um, to hear people just basically begging for someone to pay attention and for someone to hear them. Um, we had a number of elected officials, including Congresswoman Velasquez, um, Jumani Williams, who's running for public advocate, was a former city councilman. Um, uh, Jerry Nadler, a number of elected officials, went into the building yesterday and spoke to the warden. Um, and what they came out reporting was very cold temperatures. We heard um, 33 degrees in one cell. Um, we heard about a lack of concern for the inmates' well-being and, and medical issues from the warden, uh, who claimed he wasn't aware of any medical issues. Um, and so these are things that we heard from elected officials who went inside the prison, yet still, I'm sorry, the jail, because it is not a prison. Um, these are people who are awaiting trial. Um, and still the Bureau of Prisons is putting out messaging uh, that the heat is on and everything's fine and people have electricity. So um, this is very concerning. Uh, we've been yes, out here since yesterday, since noon yesterday. Uh, we camped out. And another thing that I... 
just like to add is that we noticed a number of ambulances leaving MCD detention facility last night. Um, through all of, like, throughout the night, um, there was several uh, ambulances leaving. So we are hopeful that that means that some of these medical cases have actually gotten attention. Um, and we know that our protest yesterday did achieve one important goal, which is that um, lawyers, legal counsel, are now allowed back in the building. They haven't so, uh, even I, allowed lawyers yeah. into the building. Uh, Cassidy. Cassidy, I wanted to say thank you so much for correcting me. I kept calling it a prison, and it is a jail, so thank you for just clarifying that. Um, so I've been reading that I think that electricity will be restored back into the jail um, as early as tomorrow, and it sounded like there was just uh, this happened because there was an accident, and um, I think there was like a fire that broke out. Um, can you can you just talk about like you know for someone who's you know on the outside it just seems like it was something that was very unfortunate that happened do you think that this points to larger systematic issues yeah i think it does and, and there's two reasons for that the first reason is because all facilities have to have um emergency evacuation plans okay. and so when this facility became unsuitable for human habitation people should have been transferred to other okay. facilities and there are plans for that to happen yeah. Um, and so it's so unclear we'll, we'll why it. So that didn't happen, um, except for there seems to be an apparent lack of concern and even denial that there's even an issue um, coming from the the administration of that uh, facility. And um, sorry, I haven't slept a lot, so I'm like sort of. incidences at this facility. Um, I know there's there was some off, uh, correctional officers who were charged with uh, <clears throat> rampant sexual abuse uh, a couple years ago, and there's there's been a number of things happening over the years. So this isn't a facility where this is the first time um, anything has happened. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely, and I appreciate that. I'm actually a civil rights lawyer. I've dealt with numerous issues that have uh, come to light at the facility from time to time, um, even actually before I have the current job that I have now, because I did work as an uh, assistant to, or oh, actually I should say a lawyer, associate for a CJA attorney doing uh, federal criminal defense representation, and there's been problems with that facility in particular for a while, but um, another thing that I really wanted to point out, and, and Jackie um, Cohn, thank you, she says um, that I reminded her last night that what is happening at MDC is not unique to correctional facilities across the street, uh, the state, it's actually the norm, and that's the point I was making to Stanley, like right now, this is at the forefront of our consciousness because everybody's hearing about it, the elected officials are out there, there was obviously this issue with the fire and a power outage and all these things, there's the blame game about who's responsible, what's going on, and how long it's going to take to fix. Um, but adequate heat and cooling issues are not unique. Um, in fact, we have a very large prison system in the state of New York. Many of our prisons are upstate. Some of them are up by the Canadian border, where it is extremely, extremely cold. Um, upstate, it was like negative 30 degrees earlier this week when we had the polar vortex. And, you know, we also have had inadequate heating and cooling issues at our state, uh, I'm sorry, our local facilities such as Rikers Island um, and the boat jail, which is VCBC <coughs> or the Vernon C. Bain Center, for a very, very long time. And so it is really good that people are focused 
focusing on this issue and that it's in people's consciousness, um, but it was also a situation where people need to realize that this is a tree and that the forest is much bigger. Um, and, and when we get outside of New York State, we look at places like prisons in the South where they have inadequate cooling problems and it can be 110 degrees inside of a cell during the summer. So, you know, if this is an issue that people really want to be focusing on, and it should be, then we also have to realize that there's a much broader systemic issue going on here about how people in prisons and jails are treated. On that note, I just want to thank Cassidy again for calling into the show today, as well as for your activism. Um, if you want to just let people know how they can reach you and support this cause really quickly. Yeah, thank you. Um, we, if you follow uh, at NY Justice League on Twitter, um, we will be giving updates throughout the day. Uh, like I said, we expect to hear from folks who are going inside the building today. Um, so we're we're looking forward to, to hearing what they have to say. Um, and we'll be out there. We're having the Justice Bowl. Since today is Super Bowl Sunday and none of us are watching football, um, we're going to have the Justice Bowl in front of the MDC Detention Center in Brooklyn um, from noon to 6 p.m. And you can find out more details, the address, and, and everything at NY Justice League on Twitter. Okay, thank you so much for that. And just to move things right along, um, the 2020 presidential race is heating up, guys. Cory Brooker finally officially threw his hat into the race. We have Kamala Harris, a, a number of women who are running. Uh, this is, seems to be one of the most diverse races that we've seen um, possibly in history. Tiffany, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, we got Corey, got Kamala. If you had to vote today, Kamala, Kamala excuse me. I'm we sorry. We went over this last week. <laughs> no, it's Kamala. Kamala, Kamala get it right. She, she told us uh, with her little um, video. I'm excited for this race. I know there's been a lot of um, people who are really concerned about Kamala's, Kamala's uh, oh gosh, I look like a white person. That just confuses all black people. <laughs> no shit. But it's just like, I know a lot of people have been concerned about her record as well as Cory Booker's record. But I do think it's going to be interesting, even with Kristen jumping in there and possibly Beto. But I'm excited to see everyone and what their policies are going to be because I feel like I don't want this to be a repeat of what we saw in 2016 when there was like a wide field of Republican candidates and then we're still going to end up with Trump in some way because I yeah. do think they're going to divide the vote significantly. Mm. And speaking of dividing the vote, we know that Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, has also jumped in. He's running independent. A lot of progressives are saying he's also going to divide the vote. Uh, Alyssa, what are you, your thoughts on that? I mean, look, this is interesting because the, I don't know, he could end up dividing the Democratic vote, but he could also end up dividing the Republican vote, right? Because if you have a number of moderates that are not going to vote for Donald Trump, they may end up voting for a more moderate. It's going to be a really interesting election because there's so many different people jumping in. Um, I will say one thing about uh, Senator Harris, which, see, that's how we avoid this issue with her first right, name. Right. Um, and and um, is I saw a video yesterday that was super concerning about her locking up parents for truancy, like when the kids didn't come to class. And she was like laughing about it as if it was funny. And she was trying to make the point that the issue she was trying to fix was to make sure that low income communities of color got education. But I don't know if locking up the parents of people who don't send their kids to school on time or miss a few days of school because they're dealing with other issues is really the right approach to that. And the fact that like when she was giving that lecture, she sort of like was finding it funny in some ways was like extremely concerning to me. Um, you know, and obviously I made my comments last week about this, so I won't rehash them. Go back and listen to last week's show. Um, but, you know, I don't know. That just really got under my skin. Well, you know, 
Kamala's gonna have to answer to, for all of this when you know we start to have debates. But the fact that you would think that the best way to help a kid who is missing a lot of schools is to destabilize what what probably is already an unstable situation is just ridiculous, and it shows just how strong and prevalent racism is in the criminal justice system, and how someone who claims to be an ally, someone who should be an ally, if for nothing else, the color of their skin, can very easily fall into it. That's not helpful at all. And, and you know, and last week when we talked about Kamala Harris, we talked about how she, as an attorney general, she was put in a very tough position. She was the first black person, I think, in California, the first woman. She was the first everything, and we know that in itself, she's fighting a system of white supremacy in, inter internally. But I want to say that if you look at um, Attorney General Mosby and Baltimore, what she's doing as that state prosecutor, she announced that she is no longer prosecuting any cases of anyone who was caught in possession of marijuana, no matter the size, no matter anything. She's literally going, standing up for the laws. I mean, standing up against the law in the state. So I'm like, look, when you have someone like Miss Mosby compared to Kamala, like when you, you ha I get it, it's a tough position to be in, but where's your moral compass? Well, because you, go ahead. No, so that's, kudos to um, Prosecutor Mos Mosby for doing yes. that. However, let's lift the hood up under, like, and most of these DAs will do stuff like that's really shiny and nice, but once you lift up the hood, you see they're doing a lot of problematic things, so I want to get more information on that. I mean, well, look, DA's going to prosecute. That's what a DA does. So, you know, like, that's the job of a district attorney. If we want to rethink how we have our criminal justice system in this country, then, you know, we should rethink it all together. But at least as far as the way the criminal justice system works now is, like, DA going to prosecute because that's what DAs do. And she's choosing not to prosecute those cases because it disproportionately hurts black and brown communities. So shout out to Mosby. Look into her record, Stanley, because she's been fighting and an ally for a long time. I know we do want to move on. We have a lot of stories. Alyssa, go ahead. No, um, I actually, um, I, I, you know, one of the most interesting <clears throat> stories that I think uh, from this week is about what's going on in Virginia, um, you oh, know, God. with the, the, the whole controversy over, you know, whether the governor did or didn't wear blackface or whether that's him and whether he should resign. Um, and that's that's all pretty interesting. There's just been so many stories this week and then all this dangerous weather and, you know, it's just I can't even keep up. Let's check out on the governor thing. So for those of you who don't know, the governor of Virginia, um, Ralph Northam, um, there was a picture that they found in his yearbook that in a page dedicated to him for medical school in which he either he was in blackface or in a Klan hoodie. He was one of the people. We're not sure who. Friday night, he apologized for it and said he was wrong. Saturday morning, he said, that, you know, you know, I don't know if it was me. And I was trying to look like Michael Jackson. And then he offered to do the moonwalk. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people are saying that he should resign. A lot of people are outraged. A lot of people are surprised. I don't know why people are surprised. I always say don't trust a white person unless you have vetted them personally or someone you trust has vetted them. And every white person, no matter how good or bad, has a potential to be racist because racism is like is, is air in America. Well, I'll say this. A lot of people, especially those of color who have been very supportive of him as governor, they say they are regrettably calling him, calling for his resignation. Uh, it, it pains them in their heart. So, I mean, Tiffany, really quickly before we go to break. Um, I think it's unfortunate how much... I mean, it was 30 years ago. Do you think he should resign? No, because I feel like it was in the 80s. Like, even in the 80s, you knew blackface was wrong. And if you look at that history of that yearbook, I think it was called Corks and Curls, which a lot of people are saying has like racial undertones that were attached to it and there's like several pictures of people in that yearbook in blackface 
And I think he was also warning us about the whole moonwalk. The fact that he was about to do it and his wife was like, yo, like, no. Do you not understand that you should not be stuck in a job right now? Like, what part are you not getting? And we're seeing more and more, like, we had an incident, I think it was a college, I can't remember the name, where these two girls were in blackface. The first day of Black History Month. I think it's pretty ridiculous. Like, there's a lot of, like, tone deafness. And someone said that, like, people wear blackface as if we are black people are costumes. And I think it devalues and takes away our humanity. And they're able to treat us the way they treat us. That's why it's okay for jails to not have heat. It's okay for NYCHA to be falling apart. Because a lot of times they don't look at black people as actual people, but as costumes. Well, you know, um, I want to read a comment that Jackie just mentioned. You got it, Alyssa? All right, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so oh, sorry, sorry, job. Jackie says, the prediction of a friend of ours who lives in rural Virginia says he thinks Republicans in Virginia will use this photo to say that Democrats can't call Republicans racist anymore. And that's really interesting because, like, well, you know, they shouldn't do that because Republicans, well, not all of them. Republicans but, are racist yeah. and white people are, are naive enough to be like, well, you know what? The Republicans are right. Um, so work on your white people. Before we go to break, we Most also have one. party has a capital on racism. I'm just saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, before we go to break, we have one final comment from Don L. who says, no one is perfect. We grow and do better or worse in life. That's a good point. But on that note, we do have to take a break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about homophobia and racism. This is America and that horrible attack on Jesse Smollett. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHC, all the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with the queen, Tiffany, with a good pension. Hello, beloved. <laughs> we also have Alyssa Fuchs right here in the studio with us. And, of course, the fearless leader, Selena. I'm addicted to Instagram hell. And, of course, guys, if you want to know who else is in the room with us, we have the immaculate interns of Dejeuner. And it's her last day, and she's got a doo-doo brown scully on, but it looks nice. And, of course, we got Omar the God in here, hailing from Brooklyn. Came all the way on the three train, didn't get to the studio, and had to walk 15 blocks to find the actual place. I don't know if that happened, but it sounded really cool. I mean, I don't know. The MTA is like that. So. Yeah, right? Seriously. The MTA be like, if you need to get to Brooklyn, take the bus to the Titanic, and then maybe you'll get there on the rocket ship or the Long Island Railroad. MTA, they were like... I don't know, though. It's going to be rough out here. You got Uber right here? I remember one time I was, in the, I was in the train. The conductor was like, yo, you want to split a lift? I was like, what? <laughs> yo, that Uber just got more expensive, too. Yes, it did. The surcharges yeah. have went up. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah. Well, you know what? The surcharges have gone up, but now these drivers are going to be getting paid a li well, not a living wage, but they will be getting paid a better wage. Hold on. They don't like it. The drivers are saying this is going to affect their business, especially taxi drivers. Listen, man, I ain't got nothing to do with this, okay? I ain't fight that Pick campaign. up black people. You ain't be in this position. Exactly. Well, yo, that's a fact. I would, I would never take over the yellow cab would just stop for me. But you know what? This is just another example of what it means to be a black man in America. And speaking of what it means to be a black man in America, we actually have a story that helps us unpack the multiple layers of being a black man in America. I am a straight black man. And the way that I show up in this world tends, you know, tends to be different depending on who I am engaging with. When I'm around white women, personally, I just get nervous because there's always an implication that I can go to jail or prison for, I don't know, breathing on a white woman, looking at a white woman, or apparently attacking a white woman because that's the thing that white people are afraid is going to happen. The police look at me in a certain way and I look at them in a certain way. And as a black man, I am always conscious of just my blackness and my manliness and my masculinity and how the world may react to it. But what happens 
if you are a black man who is stepping into this world not only as black but someone who is maybe not a straight black person so it is not what we would call the quote-unquote traditional standards and expectations of what we would have for black men what if you were a gay black man what if you were a gay black man with a high profile or non-binary and not or, even a man yeah or a non-binary person and not even identifying as a man what if you were somebody who maybe was a bit of a celebrity and had done activism work how would you show up into these streets? How would you show up in these conversations? And also, how would people show up to you? Well, for Empire actor Jesse Smollett, they showed up with violence. So as I'm sure most of you have already heard by now, Empire actor Jesse Smollett reported to the police that he was attacked by two people who called him the F word. No, not the F you, you know, that word, but the, the F A word. They also attacked him, wrapped a noose around his neck, and, and poured a substance on him that many people are assuming now was bleach. He suffered some bruises on his face as well as a broken rib, and he went to the, to the, to the police in the hospital on his own. And they called him the N-word, too. Yes, thank you. They called him the N-word, and they also said that this was MAGA country. And a lot of people have really been, like, you know, feigning shock, in my opinion, about the fact that something like this could still be happening today. But for a lot of us, this is not surprising. The only extra sauce on there, if you're, if you're a straight person, is the fact that they attacked him over his sexuality. But that is a reality for a lot of people, especially people in the LGBTQIA community. And on this episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard, we really want to have a conversation where we start to unpack and have that conversation of like what it means to be someone who is not just double conscious, but almost triple conscious because of your status in this world. So before we even get into, dig deep into the conversation, I want to start to get reactions from folks of what you thought and what you felt when you first heard this. I want to start with Tiffany. I was really shocked when I heard the story, partly because I'm like, here's a celebrity in Chicago, and he just gets brutally attacked the way it's being reported. So I was really shocked that, not that celebrities can't get attacked, but it was just so like, whoa, like this is real. And like racism and homophobia can attack anyone and everyone. It does not spare whether you're a celebrity or you're just, you know, an average, you know, trans woman walking down the block. Selena, go ahead. Um, at first, I thought it was really hard to believe that something this horrible would happen, especially in a progressive city like Chicago. I mean, if you think about it, it was on a night where temperatures were below freezing, and you actually had someone who was walking around with bleach and a noose waiting for a victim. So I'm just like, hmm. That was wild. Yeah, it, it sounded like a really wild tale, right? So then, um, you know, and then I, I started looking into it, and even though Chicago is this metropolitan city, um... It turns out that in 2017, Chicago police documented 41 hate crimes, 16 based on race and ethnicity, 8 based on sexual orientation or gender identity, and 17 regarding religion. So it shows that hate has no boundary. It can live anywhere, and it actually does live everywhere, especially here in, um, you know, America. And another thing that really shocked me is that they were reportedly screaming out MAGA company, no, MAGA country. And it turns out that Chicago, act only uh, Trump only received 12%, 12.5% of the vote in Chicago as a state itself. So it's like, where are these people, like, what, how delusional are you to think that, you you know you're in a, you know you're surrounded in like uh, almost like this progressive bubble, but you're going around to talk about how this is MAGA country. So I just thought they were delusional. I mean I don't necessarily think that's true. As somebody who I mean obviously I'm not black, but I am queer. Um, and as somebody who is queer, like it is no surprise that there are so many hate related incidents related to LGBT people. Um, and it's also equally not surprising that when you have are essentially a double minority. When you are both a queer person or a gay person, um, you know, I use queer 
is sort of the umbrella term because it's broad, but it can encompass both somebody who is gender nonconforming or somebody who has a sexuality that is not quote unquote straight. Um, you are more at risk to be the victim of some kind of hate crime. And just to give you some additional numbers, because I know you gave us the number for Chicago, but the FBI actually released a hate crime statistics for 2017. That's the last year they have numbers for. The numbers for this year have not come out yet. They revealed a disturbing 17% increase in reported hate crimes from the previous year. In 2017, there was 7,175 hate crimes incidents reported. 1,130 of those were based on sexual orientation bias, 119 on identity bias. Um, this is a large increase from 2016. And of course, unfortunately, it's not only LGBTQ identities that are caught up in this epidemic of violence. Bias-motivated crimes, such as those based on race, religion, disability, and gender, all increased. Um, the FBI reported that anti-black crimes, hate crimes, increased by 16 percent uh, from 1,739 incidents in 2016 to 2,013 incidents in 2017. Hate crimes targeting black people represent 28 percent of all reported hate crimes in 2017. Um, so we have a great comment from Claudia Laurent who says, it's a shame, but what's more shameful are the people who don't believe Jesse and say he is lying. That's a great comment, Claudia. She left that on our Facebook Live. If you guys want to chime in, be sure to do the same thing. I mean, you're right. I mean, there are people who are calling him a liar. I will personally, admittedly say that it was hard to believe at first for me. Well, let's, let's sit on that for a little bit because, yeah, I've heard a lot of that too. For me, it's, you know, I don't, the story seemed like, very like okay like a little bit like out of the ordinary i'll say that but like what's his incentive to lie that's why i stand mm -hmm. at so like that's why I'm, I'm i'm with him but that's a real feeling that people have so i want to hear what you guys think tiffany then Alyssa. um when i first heard the story i was like i was like what is the purpose of him lying i was like he's rich he has money he's like a popular you know, very popular show like what what would he gain by lying but then there was more backstory saying how he was receiving like death threats or like mail that was sent to I think um, the production company and additionally I was like following this weird conservative like right-wing group and it was like there's always just this push to not believe a person of color or a black person like initially whether it's you see them getting shoot, getting shot by police or being assaulted, it's always like, well what, well, what did he do to initiate this? And it was like this notion, oh, he was going to buy drugs, he was going to do this. And it's like, why can't we ever have the benefit of the doubt off the back? Like, why would he have the purpose to lie? Especially when we just heard about stories of a young, I mean, an older black man and a young black man that died in a, our home, his name is Ed Buck's home. And mm -hmm. everyone's like... Like, these stories are happening to queer people. Like, they are being attacked and killed at, like, high rates, and no one's talking about it, no one's addressing it. It's always this initial thing, like, no, we have to question this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, right here in New York City, which is considered a very progressive space, we had two women attacked on a subway train, one of whom um, suffered a very serious fracture to her back uh, based on the fact that some guy thought that they were lesbians. He didn't even know whether they were lesbians or not, but thought that they were lesbians. Um, so, you know, on that note, I think we have to take a quick break. I know we're getting a lot of really great comments, and we will definitely get to those comments as soon as we get back. Stanley? Guys, go on a quick break. Let your voice be heard. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. I was going to say something ignorant, but I couldn't think of anything. So I guess it wasn't ignorant if I had to think about it, right? 
But anyways, guys, we are here. We are talking about the attacks against Jesse Smollett and what it means to be a black gay man in America, or just someone who is an LGBTQIA in America in 2019 and living under Trump's American government. So we already gave our reactions, but I, what I wanted to ask folks was, why do you think people are doing this? What is motivating these attacks? And I know we had some comments that, that seem to try to answer that question. Right. So Claudia says Trump made these people fee uh, come out from hiding and they feel that they are free and have the right to express their hate openly and physically. Um, Donnell says, unfortunately, we are affected by the media, which seems to expand on these crimes as we share, even though we need to know that these actions are happening. Um, and also says, unfortunately, everyone feels that they have the right to express love and hate, no matter what, period. Um, thank you guys so much for those comments. Um, you know, just for, like, me personally, I think that um, on one level, yes, Trump has something to do with this. Obviously, people feel emboldened by his election to come out and say and do hateful things. But I think that those things always existed. These people, like, they always believed those things. They were always anti-gay. They didn't just develop those thoughts because Trump got elected. You know, people that are racist were racist before Trump and they're going to be racist after. And people who are anti-gay, and I hate using the term homophobic because you're not scared. Um, you're just not a good person. Um, they are going to be anti-gay and anti-queer and anti-trans then and now and even after. So on some level, I think the, the this is much deeper than that. Uh, but for me personally, it's sort of like it, it has had an effect in that, you know, when I was single, I didn't really worry about these things too much. And I didn't really worry about these things too much a lot before 2016. Now that I have like a great girlfriend, we walk around we hold hands it sort of worries me sometimes i'm like i don't know now people like i mean i'm obviously gay so like people knew i was gay when i was walking down the street before but now it's like i feel like in some ways i'm, I'm putting myself more at risk and i don't want to do that but i also like i don't want to feel uncomfortable walking down the street holding my girlfriend's hand because i want to do that let me just also say on another note that Alyssa's girlfriend is awesome and amazing and we all love her so you know that's Thank not you useful to anyway but i just want to say that um selena tiff why do you think this is happening uh, I think it's simple. It's hate, it's fear, it's ignorance. Um, as Alyssa told us this point, uh, anti uh, homophobia and racism, white supremacy, it didn't start with Trump yeah. and it's not going to end with him. It, yes, he has energized and emboldened violence. He is a bully himself and he encourages bullying behavior. He has said in, in public arenas that cops should rough up, you know, um, they should they should rough up people who are being arrested. And to me, that the racial undertones of that just spoke white cop, black or brown person. And we've seen how those scenarios end, usually with that unarmed black or brown person dying. Um, and I would just say that another thing that I'm seeing a lot on the internet, there was actually some back and forth between people saying, this happened did this happen because he was gay or did this happen because he was black and honestly i see some black activists actually arguing over it and i thought that was really interesting on twitter because they were going back and forth the way they were going back and forth over like whether it was because he was gay or he was black yeah well, like they were both? saying no they were saying if he was white he wouldn't have got attacked well is i this don't know that's is, true is that important tiffany if, that no i think because you're you live your life like the intersections of, like, right. you, of you being black and you being gay. So I don't think he was attacked for either one. I think he was attacked for all of it, you know, at mm. once. I don't think those, the sentence was like, you know, I'm, I'm directly attacking you because you are a black person and that's it. And I do think in terms of like this country, this country is going to be racist and anti-gay, whether Trump's in office or not. But I do think it's just a lack of empathy that people show towards cultures or sexualities that they do not understand and feeling the need to act out in a violent manner 
whether you could just mind your business and leave people alone. <laughs> right. I mean, look, I don't. This conversation about was he attacked because he was black or because he was gay, I, you know, yeah, I, I understand it. Uh, at the same time, I sort of, I definitely agree with Tiffany on this. I will, though, point out, and uh, obviously, maybe I shouldn't be the one pointing this out, but, like, sometimes when you're gay, you pass, right? People don't know that you're gay just because you're walking down the street. Obviously, people can perceive that you might be gay based on the clothes that you might be wearing, but at the end of the day, that's an assumption that somebody's making, and it's not always right. So I, I remember one time when I was like 17, I saw this girl, and I was like, ooh, she's cute, and my friend's like, what makes you think she's gay? And I was like, I don't know, she's wearing baggy pants. And my friend was like, oh, so you have baggy pants, dar? Like, you know? Um, and it's like, so people have a perception of whether or not people are gay based on the way they look or dress that may not always be right but like when you're black you're black and you guys can all speak on that way better than I can yeah you're absolutely right about that but the question I want to ask now shifting gears just slightly is a lot of people blame Trump for what's happening but how much has like the dominant culture influences I can tell you now as a straight man who is trying his best to be an ally I still say no homo I still say pause you know um Kevin Hart is still making jokes about being his son if he finds out his son is gay how much of that kind of like attitude, cavalier attitude about it, influences this like thought process or behavior towards people in that community? I think it has a, a large influence on it because it just perpetuates um, the culture and society standards, which is not tolerant or accepted, accepting of LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. um, and Kevin Hart, you know, just to clarify, he made those comments back in 2011, and he has voiced a lot of support for Jesse Smollett, but he's also getting a lot of backlash because people are saying, well, you, your problematic comments are part of the problem, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's definitely nuanced. It's definitely multi-layered here, but I I think that any any you know especially when it comes to male uh, toxic masculinity I think that that's something that hurts causes when it's when we try to uplift people and I do want to just point out that the same people who attacked Jesse for being black and for being gay are the same people who walked down Charlottesville chanting anti-semitic remarks and are the same people that hate everyone they hate you if you're Jewish if you're black if you're gay and a number of other things especially if you're Muslim so I think that this is the time for all of us especially if we come from marginalized groups and disenfranchised backgrounds we need to stand together and realize that hate is the problem here and we do not want to be divided amongst ourselves Selena I, I think you said some like yeah you said it and you know I think that's a good way to kind of like segue and it's like you know the rest of the folks in the, in the panels like closing statements if you have one um, Melissa likes what are you taking away from this I mean look words matter right what you say matters how you act matters um, toxic masculinity definitely plays a role in this. Homophobia and racism is ingrained in this country. We have to realize those things are interconnected. You know, just look, today's the Super Bowl. Literally an event that celebrates masculinity um, and toxic masculinity at that. Violence. I mean, the role of the game is to be violent past your opponents so that you can score points. Um, so, like, we have to look at the dominant culture from a bigger picture level. And that's not to say that, you know, Violence has played no role in this culture or shouldn't, and that sort of is another conversation that unfortunately we don't have the time to have today. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to realize that these issues are interconnected, and we have to be working together to solve them, because when we are separating ourselves off into groups and being like, I'm gay, I'm black, I'm this, there's so much overlap, there's so much intersectionality between all of these things, and like by separating ourselves off into different groups, like we're not doing ourselves any justice because there is power in numbers. And when we have many people together, then we can work together to solve these issues. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I also think we need to challenge ourselves when it comes to like cultural norms and traditions and unlearning um, bad and negative yeah, behavior. Just because they've been doing this for decades and generations doesn't make it right. And I think when I heard about the Justice Miller or when you hear about um, certain stories, like question yourself, like why would you question him? Like what makes you want to question him? Or like when Sandy said, like I used to say like, no homo, this, that, and the third. Or like some of my girlfriends would say like, I would never date a queer man. Like really sit with that and question yourself as to why you feel this way and know that that's toxic behavior that you're perpetuating. And granted, we live in a dominant culture, but just because it's dominant and it's been happening for generations doesn't make it right. So I think we have to like take a step back and really challenge these cultural norms that are toxic and can lead to more situations that we <clears throat> don't want to see in society. Thank you so much for that. And I want to close it out by saying today is the Super Bowl. And as Alyssa and Selena and Tiffany all mentioned, the Super Bowl, the, the goal of the Super Bowl is to beat the crap out of the other person so you can score points. You know who will not be playing at the Super Bowl besides Colin Kaepernick? Michael Sam. Michael Sam was the first openly gay football player to be drafted by an NFL team. And you know what? He was, before he came out, he was actually projected to be um, drafted in the first or second round. And after he came out, all these conversations started happening about how he didn't have the tangibles to be a good player, he didn't have the tools, that his sexuality would be a distraction. He got drafted in the fifth round. There was a video of him, of him kissing his boyfriend when he won that didn't play very well. By, by owners or people in the, in the culture. Michael Sam is not in the NFL anymore. He was cut by the Rams. He got signed by another team. He was cut there. He tried to go to Canada, didn't make it there, and he's completely out of the league. And a lot of people said it was because of his skills. I would say it's because of the culture that we have around gay people. There were so many people intimidated by Michael Sam and who he was. There were so many people who felt insecure about who he was that they felt like that they couldn't connect with him. Same thing that happened with Jason Collins, a player who played for the Nets and played for the Lakers and played for the Spurs who came out of the closet and all of a sudden was retired. And we can make an argument that that was about his skill set. But the larger, the larger problem was that there is still a lot of dominant cultural ideas about gay people and how it impacts masculinity. And the way it impacts masculinity is that it has none and it takes it away from you. And when folks feel like their masculinity is being challenged and the only way they know how to express themselves is through rage or sex, they're going to pick one or the other. And I think that played a big part in what happened to Jesse Smollett, and that played a big part in why a lot of folks refused to speak up for Smollett. And I think that if we really want to address the issues of not just homophobia and transphobia and all the other phobias, but also racism, we got to really start having a conversation about masculinity and manliness and humanity because we're missing the real definitions of all those things, and people are getting hurt, and a lot of people are dying. So guys, we got to call a wrap to this, but I don't feel like telling you guys how to listen to the show. I think Selena has all the tools on how you can follow up with us. I'll let her go ahead. Yeah, sure. I just want to thank everyone who tuned into the show today, especially via Facebook Live. We appreciate all the engagement and the comments that you guys left. Shout out to Darren Mack, Don L, and Claudia Laurent in particular. I also want to just thank and give a special shout out to all those in our podcast community who listen via Spotify, iTunes, um, Apple, um, Google, everything. If you're listening to us on podcast soundcloud as well thank you and of course if you want to continue to support us please do so on patreon.com that's patreon.com slash radio and by supporting us we will continue to support the causes and the issues that matter to you on that note happy sunday enjoy and we'll see you again next sunday god willing stanley huh don't forget to check out boomerang on bet Oh, doesn't it come on 10-9 Central starting February 12th? Yes, it does on BET. This seems supernatural. <laughs>